Good morning, my name is Greg Gertis. Um, Rick earlier talked about a great salesman coming up here. I'm not that person, so I am counting on all the prayers of my brothers. Thank you out there, and uh, we're going to make it through this. Um, I welcome everybody here today, um, and especially all those, those who are returning to Beijing and CCC, and for those uh, who are new, uh, just uh, welcome you here. I hope everybody had an opportunity to enjoy their summer break. My family and I had a great summer vacation. We went uh, back to the U.S. after two years of being in Beijing and uh, got to spend some time in Williamsburg, which is one of our favorite places to go. The place is rich with history. And um, right there in Williamsburg area, you have Jamestown, which is where the first colony, the first British colony arrived. And so that's in our short U.S. history of 400-odd years. Um, they arrived and they survived, and they were actually called the Virginia Company, and so that's where we get the term Virginia, for the state of Virginia. Um, then right next door you have Williamsburg, where the first uh, British uh, governors ruled and, and own, you know, managed that area of the, the new land. And then just a little ways away you have Yorktown, where we politely asked the British governor to leave so we could give it a shot at running ourselves, and nothing, no, nothing bad against our British colleagues here. We, we still love you. <laughs> um, Janet and I have been there, uh, have owned a timeshare actually in Williamsburg for quite a while, for about 15 years, and it's become a great place of memories. Um, not just because of the history, but we also love, there's a place, places that we love to go, and that's Bush Gardens and Water Country USA, because we're big fans of riding roller coasters. And throughout the years, I've been able to, you know, carry, hold the hand of, and chase after each of my children um, as they've gone from the little kiddie rides that slowly go around in circles, right, to the little bit more aggressive rides, to finally the full-on high-speed steel, ro steel roller coasters. And our favorite one is Apollo's Chariot. It drops 210 feet at 73 miles an hour. You actually only have a lap belt holding you in, and you rise out of the seat because you're free falling on that first drop. It's an amazing feeling, and we're all big fans of that. Besides the riding roller coasters, one of the reasons I like the summer vacation is that it gives me an opportunity to, um, to meet with family and friends. We, we really open our home up to family and friends to come and enjoy it with us and see how the Lord is working in their lives. And this summer was no exception because my folks came out and my siblings and we had a family reunion and it's just a, just a real pleasure for me to be, spend time with them. It's also an opportunity for me to just, and we're going to feel sorry for the translator on this one, retreat, reflect, reassess, reevaluate before reengaging in my regular routines. All right, we'll try that again. Um, I don't know if you got a Chung Yu that'll fit that or not. But we got retreat, reflect, reassess, reevaluate before reengaging in my regular routines. And, and I try to do this every summer. I know people are big into setting their goals in New Year's, but in the summertime, this is where I get to just relax and kind of think, get away from everything and think about life. And one of the things that I find out always is there's so many things, even this week, pulling me in all different directions. And unless I center myself, and unless I try to figure out what's at my core, those decisions are so hard. You guys, you guys understand this. It's, what job am I going to do this year? What, what, what am I, where am I going to live? Um, who am I going to marry if you're in that, situa in that stage of life? Where are my kids going to go to school? And, you know, how am I going to support them? 
how, am I, how much time am I going to spend with my family or in my, give resources to the church and to other people? I mean, all these questions are going, you know, what am I going to eat after Greg is done talking today? I mean, these are really important questions that you got to ask. But the more, if I find my core, it makes it a lot easier when I'm dealing with those decisions. And so today we're going to talk about choices and we're going to talk about actually one of my favorite heroes of the Bible and the most critical decision you can make. Whom will you follow? But before we do this, can, can, can we just pray a second and we'll get started. So Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the people gathered here. Be with those who aren't here, wherever they may be. In sickness, health, fill them with your spirit. We ask that your special guiding hand and mercy on those in Tianjin and that you grant wisdom to them. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share here, for the community jointly worshiping, for the music that roused my heart and all of our hearts, and may the spirit continue to rise our hearts now. And in the words of your servant David, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your, in your sight, Lord, my rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. So today's passage is Joshua 24, 1 through 15. So it's a long, we're going to go through a long section. Um, I'm sorry there's no slides up there. Again, the world pulled me in every direction and I didn't get those here in time. It's not the text fault. Thank you. Um, and we're going to see how God's servant Joshua recommends we enjoy, uh, address the most important choice in life. So reading from uh, Joshua 24. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him my descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued you with their chariots and horsemen, and as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so I, he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out from you, and also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away your, the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates and the Egypt. 
and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So we're at a pivotal moment in the nation of Israel's history. Joshua, who's God's servant leader, is at the end of his life. He's had a remarkable life filled with excitement, variety, success, honor. I mean, this is the type of life. I mean, if I'm a guy, this is the life I want to live. Joshua grew up a slave under the impressive rule of the Egyptians. He witnessed the plagues in Egypt. He was there to see the Red Sea in front of them open and then close on the chariots of the Egyptians. He was the one of the 12 spies that represent, representing the tribe of Ephraim then sent out to, to spy out the land of Canaan. And it was only he and Caleb, only two of the 12 who came back and said, hey, he tells them, right, we can take them. The Lord is going to give us this land. He says, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Joshua was ready to enter the promised land especially after all those years in slavery and the promise of a promised land. But you know what the people of Israel wanted to do? They wanted to lead themselves. In Numbers 14, he says, they cry out, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better if we were just back in Egypt? Okay, for some of us, maybe it is, all right? <laughs> so instead of entering the promised land, Joshua is now, now forced to face the next 40 years leading God's people through the wilderness due to their weakness and fear. Can you imagine that? You need to experience the next 40 years of suffering for somebody else's lack of faith. But as we know, God doesn't, he doesn't waste an experience. Even wandering in the wilderness... During those 40 years, Joshua is living off of manna from heaven. And he's also mentored by Moses, which is amazing. He's the, Moses speaks directly with God. And in fact, he alone was allo allowed to accompany Moses up on the mountain when he got the tablets of the law. So after 40 years of leading God's people through the wilderness, it's now time to enter the promised land. And this is awesome, right? except for the fact that Moses isn't allowed to go in. So it's all on Joshua's shoulders to do this. Joshua and the Lord. But Joshua is the leader of the, them. It's his responsibility to lead a nation of two to three million people, wilderness wanderers, into this land. The odds seem insurmountable. Yet Joshua's faith was strong. And so was his leadership ability. And he successfully led God's people to the promised land. So now... After all that, we look back. So what's happening? Joshua is at the end of his life. He's conducting his official, last official act as God's servant. And he gives Israel three steps for how to live a remarkable servant's life. One, he reminds them to remember where they came from and God's faithfulness through it all. The second, again, I'm sticking with ours here. Second, he recognizes that everyone, everything is from God. And the third thing is, he requires a decision. Whom will you follow? So this first one, remember where you came from and God's faithfulness. Each one of the examples that are listed in those first nine, ten verses, 
is are, um, in this final speech are situations where it's only by God's intervention, God's faithfulness that the nation survived. Think of from God calling Abraham from a, a land of pagans and Abraham's the last in the line and he is, doesn't have any children and he's married a wife who's barren and he's an old man and yet he says, you know what, this is the one I'm going to choose. It's only God's faithfulness and he promises him a land and descendants that Abraham really never even sees. He has a child, but he doesn't see the land. He doesn't have these, he doesn't see this multitude of children. Then to rescuing Jacob's family from a famine by bringing them to Egypt. Then crossing the Red Sea and, having, and stopping the Egyptians and surviving those 40 years in the wilderness and conquering the armies that were in Canaan. Joshua reminds the people of Israel of God's faithfulness in all these situations. Second, Joshua recognizes that everything is from God. If we read in 13, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. The Israelites started as nomads who became slaves, who became desert wanderers, and then who inherited a land of milk and honey. How's that for a twist of events? All the time that God's people were facing challenges and difficulties from slavery in Egypt to wandering in the wilderness, God was preparing everything else for them. He was, buildings were being built, vineyards were being planted, roads constructed, constructed, and possibly amusement parks, for all we know, were being built as well with roller coasters. All right? A place that didn't come from their own efforts was being prepared for them to inhabit. And third, Joshua requires them to make a decision. Who will you follow? He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates and in, the, and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's telling the people they need to decide. He recognizes our human nature, we need to follow something. It's just how we're designed. And whether it's the idols that he's, you served before or the new ones where you're at now, we sometimes have been able to push away the old idols, but then we end up in a new place. And he's saying, also, you've got to be careful of these new idols as well. Or you can serve the Lord. You've got to choose one. Joshua also throws out a couple more important facts here. He says, fear the Lord. And now this word of fear is not, oh God, don't beat me down. It's live in awe of his amazingness and his awesomeness, the creator of the universe who cares about you, who's, who's done all these faithful acts for us. We have a whole list of what he's done for us. He's saying, be in awe of this God who is always faithful. And, but it requires a choice. We still have to throw away the old items and the, and the desire to run our own life or to run their own life. He finally adds this, understand that your decision affects you. Notice how Joshua does not say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. He says, as for, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He understands that everything, his family, his servants under his care, anyone in his influence is affected by his decision. So great, Greg. Old Testament, 3,000 years ago, Israel, 
what does it have to do with us here 2015 in Beijing? I'm glad you asked. So Joshua's recommendation to the people of Israel is the same pattern we need to follow here today. In November 2014, Billy Graham, one of the greatest Christian servant leaders of our time, was asked this, was asked this question, what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? The 96-year-old, looking back on his life, responded, first it means to be committed to him as our Savior and Lord. This means we, we want him to be the master of our lives instead of trying to run, it, them, run them ourselves. Following Christ also means we seek to obey him every day. He knows what is best for us and has told us how he wants us to live, the Bible. Finally, following Christ means seeing others through, through his eyes. Christ loved the world so much that he was willing to give his life for our salvation. The Bible says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So, so first, just like the Israelites, we need to recognize where we came from and that the, what the Lord has already done for us. There's a lot of this in the Bible. Romans 3, 23 through 25, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption, grace which Rich, Rick was talking about through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. So you see, we need to start with grace. I'm so glad you used that word today. We need to start with grace. We need to understand that Christ, our Savior, chose to serve us first to give to us. We didn't deserve his sacrifice. Rather, he willingly laid down his life for us while we were still sinners. The leader served us first. This is the first step in following Jesus. Acknowledgement that we are incapable of saving ourselves or leading ourselves. That is, unless you want to go back to Egypt. And also realize that we, while we are here dealing with the challenges of the world, yes, we know that there are constant challenges. I know you guys are facing these just like I am. He, in the meantime, is preparing a, a promised land for us as well. Do not let your hearts be troubled. John 14, you believe in a God, in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. And you, will, you also may be where I am. So again, the first step is acknowledgement of our situation and God's faithfulness. Let me add, if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior and the leader in your life, do it today. And if you feel you aren't ready, can I at least get you to ask God to reveal himself to you? To just say, Lord... I don't understand this abiding stuff they've been talking about. I'm not quite sure what God's say, uh, Greg's saying up there right now, but can you just open my heart to it and can, that I might understand it? Step two, the next is taking action and decisions. When you follow, not what you say you do matters. So it's easy to say, well, I'm this person or I'm that person, I do this or I do that. And you can say whatever, but it's, you can say, I'm a Christian. But being a follower of Christ is more than just saying, I'm a Christian. 
Who you follow, who you allow to have influence over you is what truly defines you, not just what you say you believe. Christ says in Luke 6, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not fall, both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So you will follow some, someone. Who do you want to be like? And that is who you should follow. Many years, many, many years ago, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. And those days are long gone, but the lessons I learned, um, st some of those lessons still remain. One of them was on leadership. The Marine Corps prides itself on leadership. Every Marine is a leader. Early on, you were taught how to lead, lead others. In fact, they beat it into you and force you to do it. It's part of the responsibility. The Marine Corps also knows that it needs to dumb things down to the basic concept so that the, the average Marine can understand it. And at its fundamental level, leadership has two parts, mission accomplishment and troop welfare. So mission accomplishment, did you or did you not accomplish the mission? And two, troop welfare, what was the cost on your troops? Did you take care of them? Taking those two concepts in mind, I can't think of a better leader or person to follow than Christ. First, he accomplished the mission. He conquered death. 1 Corinthians 15, where, O oh, death, is thy victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the second, he cares about us. He cares about his people. He wants us to have a full life in him. We've been going through John 15 I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. This is what we are looking for, to bear much fruit. It doesn't mean riches in the worldly sense. It doesn't necessarily mean an easy life in the worldly sense. I have a great example um, of my Korean mother-in-law who just visited us. She has nothing that the world would expect to be uh, uh, rich. She doesn't have money, her body's falling apart. She um, has very difficult, challenging times, but she's rich in the Lord. And so he says, if you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified and you bear much fruit and so prove, and, and so prove to be my disciples. So Christ is calling us to have a fruitful and abundant life in him. But this, this, does, not, <clears throat> but this re does require us to make decisions, and it requires daily commitment to him. How many of us instead choose to treat God as if he's a stallion and we've got reins, and we go, God, all right, I want to go this direction. I want to go that direction. And instead he's saying, no, you have to let go of the reins and let me take over. I'm the one who's let me lead. I see the world. I've already prepared everything for you. It's all set. Let go of the reins. You can't have it both ways. John Thomas and Mawson, an evangelist, an, op you know, an open-air pre uh, preacher, says this when it comes to deciding to follow Jesus. When we ignore God, when we serve only ourselves, when we try to hold the reins, the fundamental problem is pointed out by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will follow after this one and despise the other. Jesus makes clear that the path to righteousness involves serving God and God alone. 
It is not that we should disregard ourselves. We can be concerned with our health, with our education, and with other things. Rather, and this goes back to what I was talking, we are called to avoid being overly concerned. What is at your core? Will, um, winning the affections of others. As Jesus tells us, anyone who raises himself up will be humbled, and anyone who humbles himself will be raised up. What is at the core of your decisions, and so of your daily choices? This reminds me of the many times I've taken my children to Bush Gardens to ride those roller coasters we were talking about. They would be super excited the first time they were going to ride on the next level of roller coaster. But sometimes when that roller ca coaster came screaming down past and people are yelling, sometimes out of excitement, sometimes out of pure fear, there, we, we acknowledge that, um, the kids would get, especially when they were younger, a little apprehensive on whether they wanted to ride that ride. Luckily, dad was there and to say, hey, listen, it's up to you. Although my son might say sometimes I forced him on some of these rides. It's up to you. You know, you need to, you may need to make the decision, but understand there's no halfway riding. You don't go in and they don't gear it down just because you're on. You get on and you're going to be okay. But, and, and the other thing is, you're going to have a great time doing this. This is amazing. Yes, it's going to turn and twist and you might scream a little. But it's going to be something that you'll really enjoy. And for the record, all of my kids now love roller coasters. And none of them are emotionally damaged as far as I know. We'll find out later when they get older. Okay. But finally, so now this is the third part. Finally, God wants you to continue to grow and pass this on. Just like with my children moving from one roller coaster to the next, as I held their hands from one to the next as the years went on, God wants us to step out daily in faith. For those of you who have been following Christ faithfully, he doesn't want us to stay on the kiddie rides. The easy stuff. He wants us to continue to step out in our faith and share with others. And now that my kids, now my kids are the ones who are leading other people. When their friends show up, they're leading them to the rides. And, um, and they're telling their stories of how they was the first time that they rode this ride. So in review, let's, let's look back. What does it take to follow Jesus? First, realizing we're, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner and incapable of saving myself. Just as the Israelites needed Joshua, we need Christ in our lives to lead us. Number two, take action. And this is a daily practice of your decisions. But if you have Christ at your core, those decisions, if you've given your Lord whatever today, okay, I'm going to just tell me. And I, you're not going to hear this perfect voice all the time, but it's submitting to what comes your way. Just like Rick had said, coming, Lord, I have nothing to offer this person. I'm counting on you to bring the conversation. This is a daily practice. And the third is continue to grow and share in your faith. I'd like to, to call the worship team back up. And as they're coming up, I want to close with a couple of, couple of thoughts. First... Let me say, we only get one chance to live by faith. Our time on earth, it really is short. God is asking us, asking you to follow him faithfully, and he promises you, he is with you wherever you go. Joshua is a great example of this. And don't think living faithfully was easy for Joshua either. God had to encourage him as well. Look back at Joshua 1, verses 7, and 9, 7 through 9. 
Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lip. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So what is the opposite of strong and courageous? Weak and fearful. You don't need to encourage somebody who's already strong and faithful or strong and courageous. God is telling Joshua, Joshua is nervous about what's ahead of him. And he's saying strong and courageous. This is how the Lord wants us to live. Second, don't wait until tomorrow. Joshua says, choose this day. No one but the Father knows the, the day or the hour. As we've seen in Tianjin right now, Everything, anything can happen. I'm sure that the people caught up in the blast this past week had no idea that that was going to be the last day. That was going to be the last day they talked to their friends or their family or anything. So follow the words of God's faithful servant Joshua and saying, choose this day. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and men, fathers, ladies, mothers, kids, Understand that your decisions are affecting those around you. Choose whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And be a servant leader for the Lord and follow him faithfully. So let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this passage in Joshua and the example he gave us for choosing to follow you. Lord, sometimes we don't understand what you are doing. In our lives we don't understand the difficulties and the struggles we don't understand why we're here and where we're going we feel forsaken and just plain lost Lord following you doesn't always make sense and abiding in you is not always a clear message please work in our hearts to know that serving you is infinitely better than leading ourselves let our spirit let your spirit lead us and guide us our every step today in Jesus name amen